Welcome, everyone. So before we get into the episode today, we just want to give a little bit of a heads up, a warning. Yeah, a a trigger warning, if you will. This episode deals uh, with suicide. Uh, That's essentially the the main topic of this episode. So if that's like a a big trigger for you, that's something you can't listen to. uh, Maybe maybe skip this. Skip. Hit words. Yeah. Hit skip on this one. Pause. Um, and we did want to provide the, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is 1-800-273-8255. That's 1-800-273-8255. Sarah's visiting me in D.C. We're back in our uh, podcast closet. Yes. One dog is with us. One dog is not. Uh, TBD on the, if the other dog joins, we'll see. He's been kind of half in, half out. Can't commit. We understand that. Yeah, he has anxiety. We've been here. Yes, same. (laughs) Me too. You good? Did you pee? I peed. Okay. I'm good. So we're good for at least 15 minutes, right? 15 to 30, yes. (laughs) We will pause at the next pee break. All right. We took care of all the anxiety. So we're back on board. We're back on board. Um, ironically enough, you know, we had some wine. We played tennis today. We did play tennis And today. I could see the Capitol. That was lovely. It's beautiful here. I love D.C. Yeah, we're. I'm trying to tell Sarah that we just need to live together from now on. Yeah. Half D.C., half, half the South and Tennessee. We're definitely each other's person. Yes. So like yin and yang. I am what she is not. She is what I am not. She's depressed. I'm anxious. Her anxiety causes my depression. My depression causes her anxiety. (laughs) However you want to look at it. Wait, it really does. (laughs) It really does. You know, the thing is, is like we're both single, been through some relationship drama. And it's like, God, if one of us was the opposite sex, there would be some incestual thoughts. (laughs) <laughs> we would we be not? we would be marrying cousins because we just no one gets us like we get each other and we just are, adopt yes yeah, <laughs> we are each other's person if we if we were attracted to the opposite sex or well wait or if one of us was if one the of op- us was the yes. opposite sex or we were attracted to the same sex we would probably be married cousins yeah. at this point because yeah. will we ever find someone who gets us like we get each other i don't know yeah i don't know tbd well we like to find people that are broken because they understand us. Yeah. <laughs> that seems to be the problem. That is the problem. We need someone not broken. Exactly. That's Our relationship history is going to have to be a whole series. That's going to that's gonna have to be a whole season. Yeah. I mean, I got a discount on my third divorce, okay? <laughs> and I'm not 40 yet. <laughs> and I, according to our Nana, am past marrying age. So we'll see if it ever happens. We're both out to the pastor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, man. Shop liver. 
Okay, so today we're going to talk about our mom's father. Kind of from, like in the beginning, where it all starts. Yeah. Episode one. Uh, I think it makes sense to start here. Yeah. So, um, you know, for all intents and purposes, this is our, you know, maternal grandfather. He um, married our grandmother at a very young age. They were married for a long time until our mothers were adults. And I remember him at a young age. Um, he's a very tall man, was a very tall man. And when I was a child, his pockets were always taller than me. So I knew him as Papa High Pockets, which apparently is really bizarre for people to hear, but it's so normal to me because <laughs> I just called him High Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my memory of him, I, he was, he was a very handsome man, right? Like objectively a very handsome man, very yes. tall. Um, but he was also, I, probably because he had two daughters uh, and a wife, obviously, at one point. He was a very, I don't know, do we say feminine man? Not necessarily, but, like, this man loved fucking skincare. Before, it was cool for men to love skincare. Yeah, It's cool now. This man was way ahead yeah. of the trend. He he would sit, well, okay, so he, he did have addictions, multiple addictions. Yeah. Um, Later in life, it transcended into having a QVC addiction. Like, no shit. He would sit at home all day <laughs> and order QVC products, which is very sweet, for his daughters and his granddaughters. Yeah. So this man had, like, you would go to his home. It was it was a trailer. This trailer was stocked full of fucking QVC women's skincare and women's jewelry. Yes. I had proactive before proactive was a thing. <laughs> yeah, and fuck, and bare, bare minerals. minerals. Oh my God. He would get us these bare mineral. It came in this beautiful box and you'd open it and it had a mirror on the inside. It was like the eyeshadow set and it was like, you know, for winter and the box was red and gold. And damn, I love we that had shit. Every he was set. trendy. He, he was. And very fashionable. This man wore the, uh, what are those hats called? They're not fedoras. The golfing hat? Yeah. I don't know what they're called. I don't know. You guys he did have an addiction with gambling for a while, so he had lots of visors, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. He did have a gambling addiction, so he did have visors. Um, but the man was always looking good. Yes. His skin was looking good. He kept his daughters and his granddaughters looking good. He had a clean-ass house as a bachelor. Yes. He Okay, so, yeah, that was the other thing. I spent a lot of summers over there because, you know, my parents, our, our parents are always working. During the summer, you got to have child care for your kid. Who the fuck can pay for child care? Even back then, it's way more expensive. Expensive now, but even then. So, you know, you just rotate with going to your grandparents. So when I would go stay at Papa's trailer during the summers, we would watch Westerns together and then I would clean his trailer. Mm -hmm. And he had this jacuzzi bathtub and I would clean it. And it was so fun. And it was just like, he was a very clean man. He mm -hmm. very much valued cleanliness and we would just clean together. Hey, my first job, I started working with him. He used to clean businesses. And it's funny because I kind of came full circle with my career. But True. when I was 11 and it was summertime, I would wake up at 5 a.m. and go clean restaurants with him. I will never forget the smell of latent grease and carpet <laughs> ever. And like shining brass, like yep. handrails. Obviously, this was like the 90s. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> but yeah, I used to work with him every summer and, and clean those restaurants. And if I didn't get up, he'd just leave my ass. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> That's funny. He was very timely. Very timely, very fashionable, very clean. So when he did have a little bit of a gambling problem and was still married to our Nana, 
she decided, well, I'm going to work every day and he is going to the billards every day and we're not going to do that anymore. So she took all of his left shoes with her to work. <laughs> and this is how fashionable the man was. He would not leave the house. There's no way without a good pair of shoes on. So he couldn't leave if she took all his shoes, his left shoes, <laughs> just the left, <laughs> which is honestly genius. I would never think to do something like that. But yeah, that woman, she had to do what she had to do. She has an entrepreneurial skills for yeah, sure. Yeah, that is a businesswoman for sure. She made it work. So, so yeah, so kind of, you know, settling into as he aged and, you know, kind of settled into retirement, my mother, who is still an active addict, um, really connected with him. They were using together for several years. And, you know, this was like 2016, 2017. And, um, you know, it got to the point where my stepfather was having a really hard time. They were, you know, doing a lot of very um, juvenile things with money and assets. And she was always over there. Um, he still lived in the same trailer park and lots of people knew them. And, and that's where my mom always was. And it started to really become a darker time with my mother and her progression with drugs mm -hmm. and the money that was spent. And at that time, she no longer could get medication from doctors. Yeah. And um, yeah, it got got bad. I mean, they were taking out um, cash advances on credit cards. Is that how that works? Yeah. Or investing in things to sell. Oh, right, right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, they racked up a ton of credit card debt. Basically, to have cash to buy drugs. Um, I mean, we could go on a whole rant, a side rant about how predatory the the credit card and credit industry is. That's a rant for a whole nother day. But um, yeah, things got bad financially in terms of like progression with addiction with Sarah's mom and our papa. Um, yeah, that was probably like a good... A, one of the main turning points in our mm -hmm. family where things like for a long time, it was kind of just like, oh, ha ha, papa and oh, ha ha, my aunt, you know, yes, yeah, they like, kind of have an addiction. But it was like it was like a casual thing. Like no one no one was like scared or it was like a big deal. It was kind of just very casual for us who lived a trauma filled childhood. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we think that all this stuff is like normal to this point. But yeah, I mean, it got bad. It got to where things were being sold. There was lots of debt, you know, that was being racked up. She was over there all the time. The mental health of both were, you know, really deteriorating quickly. And, you know, Morgan and I were trying to live our lives and blossom our careers. And, you know, I have a child. And so I was, you know, dealing with a lot of, you know, his early childhood, you know, development things. And um, we, in about the second month of 2017, both of us got a pretty jarring phone call. Uh, mm -hmm. You didn't live here. Yeah, right. no, I, I didn't live here. I lived I lived away from home. I lived in Nashville, uh, and I was in my first job out of college. Uh, it was a nonprofit. And, you know, I mean, so that left me at what? Probably 22 or 23, I guess, is the timeline. And I was pretty early on in my first big girl job. And, yeah, I got a phone call from my mom. I, actually, I can't even remember. I think she called me. Damn, wait, I can't remember now. It was like I missed the call because I was working, checked my phone, had a voicemail. My mom was crying, said, call me back. I call my mom back. She's sobbing and says, Papa shot himself. Yeah. 
mine was I was in the office as well, and my mom's a little more explicit than her mom. And I get a call from her, and she says, Papa's daddy shot himself in the head. And so I'm sitting at my desk again. You know, tragedy has occurred in our lives. So it's like, okay, well, I have to go. And mm-hmm. so I just set everything aside and I, I head to the neighborhood because I lived in the area where this had occurred to meet our parents and the police. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, here's poor Morgan trying to live her early adult life. <laughs> trying to start my career. And I'm like, I get the phone call and I'm like, shit, we were all actually eating lunch. Uh, you know, it was a nonprofit. Nobody made any money. So we were all just eating our, you know, home brought lunch out of our Tupperware. And we're all sitting at a little round table. And I'm like, oh, sorry, I have to take this. Like, I see, like, that's when um, iPhones transcribed voicemail. So I see, like, yeah, it never transcribes it correctly. <laughs> so it's like, wait, what does this say? I don't know what this is saying, but it seems alarming. So I, like, go out in the hallway and call my mom. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Well, I'm immediately in shock. I mean, my trauma response when I get devastating, traumatic, tragic news like this is, like, there's no emotions. So there there was no option of crying. I don't think I cried until weeks afterwards, probably. Um, and so I go back into the room, and I was like, hey, and, you know, again, 22, 23 at my first job ever. And I'm like, hey, um, my supervisor is sitting there, too, and all my coworkers. And I was like, uh, my, my grandfather killed himself. I gotta go. And they're all just like, no, and this is even in a nonprofit where like people are like trauma informed and like social services. They don't know what the fuck to say. I start packing up my fucking Tupperware. <laughs> I knock over my water and my water bottle spills and everyone just starts like helping me. They're like, no, and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, 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 it's okay. Like, just go. And I'm like, I- I'm so sorry. Um, I'll, uh, I'll be back online later. And they're like, just you, you go. I mean, I lived two and a half hours away. I think I went home immediately called Sarah because that's what I do. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. And I was like, I guess I'll pack my stuff and come home, right? And she's like, yeah, come home. How much do I pack? How much do I pack? I have no idea. What do I do? I had a boyfriend at the time. We had a dog. Did we have a dog at that? Yeah, yes. we definitely had a dog. And I was just like, I gotta go. I called my boyfriend. He was super supportive. He's a great guy. Shout out. We're still friends today. Um, And he was like, yeah, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like, get on the road. And I got on the road and immediately just started calling everyone because I was like, I don't think I can sit in silence for... Wait, oh wait, and I said two and a half hours. It was like a, it's like a yeah. three hour drive, three and a half. Yeah. I was like, I don't think I can sit in silence on the highway right now. So I've got to be on the phone this entire drive. Mm-hmm. And Morgan and I do this thing where we've been through so much that we just get each other on the phone and we don't really have to talk. We just let each other listen to the scenario of what's going on. <laughs> so like I'm getting to the trailer park. Wait, weren't you out of town or you had to go out of town? No, I was... In Knoxville, maybe in between the funeral. You did. Okay, did. Yeah. okay we'll get there. But we'll so I'm there. in Knoxville and I go to the neighborhood. My parents are there. Her parents are there. Her mother, Morgan's mother, was just tore up because she was actually the last one to visit him the night before. Yeah. And she was also the family member to discover him. So, you know, lots, lots of trauma, lots of shock, um, lots of guilt setting in. You know, with suicide, there's always this guilt. And, you know, the thing with suicide is, is that's how everyone remembers you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what happened in your life before. Everyone immediately thinks about how you killed yourself. Like that's your legacy. Yeah, Yeah. that is literally the legacy. And it affects everyone around you so much more. It's 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 really sad and 
you know, there's lots of reasons that happens. Um, so it's hard to say it's a selfish thing because yeah. a lot of times people are not in their right mind. Most of the time they're not, um, you know, whether it's influenced by, you know, substances or influenced by not being stable from a mental health standpoint. But mm-hmm. it just it just sucks. You know, the police were there. There was caution tape. They don't know to rule it, you know, a suicide immediately until they do an investigation. So all of that's going on while I'm talking to Morgan and she's making it to town. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah. Now that's all coming back. I remember being on the phone while you were like, I'm pulling up. Yes. You're giving me the, like the play by play. And yeah, that's that's the hard thing about suicide is. There's a lot of emotion there. There's anger. You're angry with them. I mean, especially us, like there was no note, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the immense guilt because, you know, unfortunately, he he was an active user at the end of his life and, you know, kind of stopped coming to family functions. And I I don't think either one of us had an active relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Um Really I had visited him within a couple of months of that, but it was, you know, awkward. He had pancreatitis. Yeah, just yeah, a few weeks before. Extremely painful. Before. Yeah, and we visited him. I didn't. I called him. Though. Okay, I visited him then. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that's where you can't really take any pain medication either because your body can't filter it. Or so, drink. Yeah. yeah, so he was in a lot of pain and couldn't turn to his substances because that put him in more pain. Yeah, and that was kind of... I guess as soon as he got out of the hospital, it was like a couple of days later that he he took his life. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of emotions there. Immediately, you know, we had to begin planning a funeral and you did have to go out of town for work. Mm-hmm. And so I was in town. And the thing is, you know, our our Nana owns her business. My mom works at the business. Both of our moms were and and understandably enough I guess but neither one of them were able to cope with this so they were just using more than normal especially my mom my mom was not going to work my mom was completely isolating and using every day um i mean you know again that's like immense trauma so i, I mean you know i'm not not criticizing her decisions by any means but basically sarah was out of town my mom. And again, I didn't have to go out of town. I chose to go on my trip because sometimes I like to escape from everything that we're dealing with. Yeah. And I turn and and really invest myself into my career. And that is a way I it's escape. Like a, it's like a coping mechanism too. It's a numbing or it distraction is. almost. Yeah. 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 Totally. It's it's more healthy than other coping mechanisms. Right? But it's still a coping mechanism, absolutely. I was like Okay, well, Nana's busy working the business. Uh, Both daughters of said grandfather are definitely not sober um, at all. So I guess I'm handling this. (laughs) I said, okay. So, you know, we began having conversations with the funeral home and all of that. And I, I remember at one point I, you know, the funeral home was like, well, we need, well, side note, somewhere in this whole ordeal the decision was made that we would have an open casket which is kind of shocking because he he did shoot himself in in the head yeah how we were able to have an open casket i don't know obviously that's like gory y'all don't need to go there if you don't need to whatever but there was it was an open casket funeral which is just wild to think about and reflect on but i had to go pick out his outfit and i was like okay well i went to the trailer and went to grab a suit. And I mean, nothing was cleaned up. 
I mean, the crime scene, if you will. I don't know if we can call it a crime scene. I don't know if that's appropriate. Whatever. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm not a professional. Forgive me. But it was all still there. The blood, the everything. Um, on the mattress, whatever. It was it was not it was definitely not the easiest thing I've ever done, that's for sure. I grabbed the suit, uh, you know, grabbed his socks, his shoes, the tie, all the things button up, and I drove it down to the the funeral home, dropped it off, and I, I mean, my whole thing was like you were numbing with career. I was numbing with like, well, let me just I don't have time to grieve because I've got to handle all the shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, neither one of us, I mean, we were totally both just like we can't address these feelings right now. Like, let's distract ourselves with productive things. But nonetheless, we, were we had to be useful and we had to fulfill ourselves with, you know, being active and, and being able to do things and having that immediate gratification of getting things done. So, yeah, so Morgan was left to deal with all of that. And definitely we talked on the phone a lot and got back and, you know, the the services were scheduled. And so, so yeah, so basically Sarah and I, Sarah came back to town, obviously. The funeral was scheduled. All the things were in line. We gathered all the photos. Sarah and I wrote. We decided we would together speak at the funeral because our moms were not going to be able to, again, understandably enough. We wrote this beautiful little eulogy that we were going to kind of co-do. Um, and everything was good to go. My boyfriend had come into town. So him and I were driving to the funeral um, from my parents' house. And basically, we're driving towards the funeral and where he his trailer was like you know we passed on the the right essentially and we're driving straight and i see sarah's mom driving the opposite direction of the funeral home and i call sarah and i'm like hey uh your mom is uh driving the opposite direction she's like the funeral's in in 30 minutes and she's driving the other way uh what's what's going is she what is she doing well, I called her and we realized that she is going to his home from local resources, which is still a crime scene, by the way. Um, and of course, my mother was an active user at the time. Um, she had been actively using with her father. Um, they were users together. And she denies, denies, denies. So, you know, what are you doing? Where are you going? I'm driving to the funeral home. Well, no, you're not. You're going the opposite direction, yada, yada. Which none of it really made sense until... A few hours later. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we, you know, we get to the funeral. Um, you know, people, like, as with any other funeral. And at this point, we have some funerals under our belt. We know how to do a funeral. That That's a whole side note as well. But, yeah, you know, all the people are there. We're seeing all the family, saying all the things. We get up. We speak. We do a wonderful job. Yeah, her and I, we stood together at the podium. You know, we we spoke of him, all the things that we've shared, you know, that we remember from our childhood, our time spending with him, who he was as a person, what he liked to do, obviously not talking about the addictions and negative things. And everyone was really moved and touched. You know, how cute. Oh, beautiful. His two little, you know, blonde-headed granddaughters (laughs) get up and, you know, speak of him and talk of his life. And, you know, it's very intimate. And just really kind of, you know, laying the ground for, you know, the ending of a an amazing service. Yeah, and it was beautiful. It was. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, we, we finish and then I guess as it, I guess it's a thing in funerals. You finish and then the the main family goes to view the body again. Yeah. That's just like, I don't know why. Well, in the South. Yeah, in the South. At least. And we also nod. 
to say we're sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nod, nod. You yep. can't see us, but we're nodding. We're nodding. Um, <laughs> yeah. So the, everyone is still sitting in the pews. We'll put it that way. Yes. Everyone is still sitting in the pews watching. The family all gathers at the front with the casket. Yes. Family is in the two of us and our mothers and our grandmother. And their husbands, like our dads. Yeah. We're all standing there. Yeah. So then, you know, all of us are standing there, like, viewing his body again at the end of the service. And here's the important detail from earlier. I was the one who picked out his suit, carried it in my car, brought it to the funeral home. He's wearing it, of course. And we're all standing there, you know, kind of saying our last cries and everything, all in silence. And my aunt, Sarah's mom, starts patting his body. And she's looking at us, and she's, like, like patting his chest where his suit coat is. And she's like, do y'all see that? And we're all like, what? What? What, what do you mean? She's, I'm thinking something's wrong with the body at yeah, this point. Yeah, she's, she's patting his body, patting his chest. She's like, oh, 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 my God. And this bitch pulls a pill bottle out. Like, she done suit. been called down from the prices, right? Like, she done won a prize, shaking it up in the air. Again, everyone is still in the pews watching. Everyone. My, my stepdad's face is just, like, mortified. But, she, you know, she's doing this as a show. Everyone has to see that... He, dead, had a bottle of pain pills in his pocket, I guess, just for her to find treasure and in she, his casket. She literally says, Daddy would want me to have them. Yes. And while she's shaking them. And, and my stepdad is, like, mortified. But she has to show him. The thing is, she has to show my stepdad that she has them because at this time she's spending all of this money out of pocket to have pills. So they're... It would be messed up if she had pills and he knew it and he didn't know where they came from. So she had to make this whole show at her father's funeral. On his body. And keep in mind, there were 100%, I can confirm, there was not a bottle of pills in his suit that he probably hadn't worn in decades. Her dead father. So uh, pills on her dead father. We can only speculate that she had, she went to his funeral and either she, or not his funeral, sorry, she went. Back to his house mm-hmm. before the funeral and retrieved this bottle and either she put him, put them in, in his coat suit while everyone was mingling at the beginning of services or she had someone else do it. We don't know. But that was like some conniving, insane shit. Yeah. So instead of just like randomly having pills like any other addict, she's got to plant them on her father's dead body, and then discover them during the service in front of an audience. And, you know, the Leo in me is a little upset because she definitely upstaged our beautiful eulogy. (laughs) That was our moment. And this bitch came in and said, actually, no, I'm making this my moment. Yes. At the end of it. So, of course, we're in shock. We're just like, did that really fucking happen? Like, not only did this tragedy happen, but now it has to be overshadowed by... This goddamn pills on our dead father's body. Insane action. And that's a story that, like, you can't, like, okay, like, okay, we're talking first dates. You know, I kind of have to mention every time I go on a first date, like, did you know, I tell Leah everyone that we're single? Yeah. <laughs> Again, we're single. I wonder why. On, on every first date, you know, there's always the question of, like, do you have siblings? And I'm like, no, but I have, like, a cousin, and she's, like, my sister, mama, best friend, kind of just person me and I'm kind of like you know we have like some difficult family dynamics so her and I are like really close you know I I try to like ease into it this story is like you've already you've seen me like throw up or like we're already like farting in in front of each (laughs) other or something like because this story is a real crazy one yeah 
And people like you can't just drop that story first without a lot of background. Yeah. Cause they're like, wait, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to process the the suicide in itself. <laughs> but you're telling me that your aunt planted a <laughs> bottle of pills on her father's body at the funeral. <laughs> and I'm like, Yes. Well, you can't make this shit up. No. You cannot make this shit no. up. No. And it's so deep. Like, that's why I'm so ashamed to talk about this stuff to my peers or, you know, new friends, men. You just name it. Like, how do you even ease into these stories? And this is just one of many that we've lived through. This was in 2017. Um, lots of stuff situated itself around this story that we can't wait to tell you guys and, and talk about and open a safe space for everybody to share their stories. Yeah. But it's like, what do you do? So, you know, kind of a good testament to the fact that we're kind of numb because we've been through so much trauma mm-hmm. goes back to Morgan. And she shared with you what the scene looked like. He he committed the act of suicide on his bed. Well, he had a king mattress. And I had a six-foot boyfriend and a 75-pound dog. And we were, you know, we, we, so that boyfriend, him and I graduated college together and we moved to a new city together, began our careers together, like learned how to be adults together, right? But again, I was nonprofit. He was kind of trying to figure some things out in the finance industry. We were struggling a little bit financially. It was very humbling. You know, you learn a lot of lessons, whatever. Um, but we had a, a full-size bed at the time. Again, he's like, that man is like, he's like six, three or four. That is a, he's he is a, a tall man. He's a tall man. Um, the dog is 75 pounds. He's a Mastiff mix. We all three slept in a full size bed. <laughs> and so <laughs> my family was like, do you, do you, does anybody have any interest in this king size mattress? And I was like, well, shit. Yeah, I do. <laughs> I would like it. I, I think. And I asked my boyfriend, I'm like, how do you feel about this? And he Again, this man had a a pretty good upbringing, very loving parents, present, emotionally available parents. He was like, "Mm, this feels a little weird. And I was like, well, it does. But just think about the nights. Think about our sleeping arrangement currently (laughs) and how much space this would give us, quite literally, the room this would give us if we had a king size bed and it's free. We, We by no means could afford a king size bed right now. And I, I mean, I really had to talk him into it. And he was finally like, okay, you know. The mattress has two sides, y'all. The one side, (laughs) I mean, it literally has a blood stain. I mean, a very large blood stain. It's super fucked up, super dark. Um, And so we obviously slept with it the opposite way, you know. Um, And I think we were okay with it. I think he was okay with it. We didn't really talk about it. We did get a mattress topper. It was a pretty old mattress. We did get a mattress topper, like one of those cheap foam ones. And it worked. And then it came time for us to move out of our apartment for the first time. And we had at that point, like, you know, gotten a group of friends who were great. And they helped us move. And while I should have been excited about my move, well, moving sucks in general you know, moving stressful. But as we were moving into our brand new apartment that we love so much because we were both at that point pretty successful in our careers and doing much better financially, we got an amazing apartment. Should have been excited, but the whole time 
we're moving this mattress down the hallway. And I'm like, oh, please, dear God, do not let his friends. I mean, his friends, you know, his male friends were helping us move everything as good friends do. We Don't worry, we treated them to beer and tacos afterwards. But I was like, please, dear God, do not <laughs> let them see the blood stain and ask about it. Because that's a story that they're not mentally ready for. Nobody is. Nobody's <laughs> ready for that. I'm like, mm, how much time do you have? <laughs> and even then, you're still going to judge me. You're going to be like, what the fuck? <laughs> this bitch is messed up, yo. Yeah. Um, when him and I broke up, he bought himself a new king mattress. <laughs> he was doing real well by then. Can we blame him? <laughs> he was like, mm, I'm not keeping this for myself. <laughs> you know, and that's part of what people don't talk about with loss, um, especially if you're not privileged and, you know, there's not policies or money in place. I mean, we had a to immediately get into that trailer and clean it out and sell it yeah. so that we could pay for the arrangements. Um, actually, some of his furniture is still at one of my brother's house. Like, you, you oh, got to yeah. get rid of all that stuff. And it, it's hard to go through. And unfortunately, with the way things are with society and the debt we owe and the bills we owe, there's really not a lot of room to wait. No, no, there's not. I mean, my my parents' house still has so much of his stuff. Like QVS? A lot of QVS stuff. Like yes. all of it. There was there was some hoarding, for sure. Yeah. I mean, that trailer, it wasn't very big, but it was packed full. Yeah. And, it, and that was as the addictions got worse, because it used to be, like, super duper clean. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about that, too, and I don't know if other people have experienced this with, like, really traumatic things like this, but I didn't allow myself to grieve for months after that. I mean, I I mean, I cried a little bit at the funeral, but like I I stayed numb towards that situation and it would it would come up like I remember there was one time he had given me a Christmas gift. I think that Christmas before he passed away. Um and it was a basically like this plastic thing that was like shaped like a big apple and it like had all these different things like there was an apple core there was like a juicer and like all these like cooking things and I loved it and I remember like months and months later I dropped it and one of them broke and I just like lost my shit or like we would be out with friends again like early 20s you know like trying to like have fun in, an, in a big city, you know, whatever, being young adults. And someone would make a comment like, oh, fuck, like, I want to kill myself because blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, people make like little comments like that and I would lose my shit. Yeah. And it was because I, I, that was such a traumatic thing, even despite all the other traumatic things I'd been through at that point, that I didn't allow myself to grieve for so long. I went through a lot of the same, but mine was also driven by the fact that my mother, who was an active user with her father before he passed, spiraled, you know, mm. and and I was taking the opportunity to try to use it as a platform to say, hey, you just lost your dad traumatically, like you need space to grieve, like you need help, let's get help. You know, I really used it as a platform to do that. And mm. unfortunately, I had a lot of events that occurred with her where she spiraled. And so, of course, I didn't get to grieve. Yeah. And, you know, another huge thing that we don't talk about is grieving. Like in our family, we have always been told that like crying or grieving is a sign of weakness mm -hmm. and we can't be weak and we shouldn't cry and we shouldn't show any type of weakness. And, and you just have to keep moving on. Yeah. Just like be strong. But unfortunately, 
that's not how it is. That's not healthy. You need to cry. You need to grieve. If you don't, you're just screwing yourself. Yeah. Like if, if you don't sit through those emotions at the time that they come up and you just keep pushing them down, they don't go anywhere. They either turn into disease in your body or they come out at really bad times or they just like simmer. Yeah. And get worse and worse. I mean, I remember I had to do, I worked in homelessness services in, in the nonprofits. And probably like six months after it happened, I had to do a fucking whole work day offsite for a suicide awareness training or no suicide prevention training. And we broke off into like little small groups and they were like, you know, like, why are you here? For this training, like everyone, like, you know, a little icebreaker moment. And most of those people were like, oh, you know, like I work in this type of space as a nonprofit. So like, I just want to get like a better understanding, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it came my turn to speak. And, you know, I already deal with anxiety when it comes to speaking. And I fucking hate icebreakers. Can we talk... (laughs) In the classroom, in college, when it's like, please go around the room and say your name. And the, a fun fact, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in hell. Yeah. I'm in Nobody hell. wants to hear my fun facts. They'll be <laughs> devastated. Yeah, exactly. There's no fun facts. Please don't make me speak to these people. So I was already ang- in a normal circumstance. I would already be anxious. But you add the topic of suicide. And I was like, oh, Fuck. And so my turn came around and I was going to, you know, be vulnerable and be honest and say, you know, yes, this this kind of, you know, is a little bit of what I deal with with work. But mostly I'm here because I've dealt with suicide in my family. My grandfather, you know, died of suicide. I fucking lost my shit in front of all of these strangers. I mean, I, I couldn't speak. I couldn't, I hardly got it all out. And then I just lost it. Had to get up and go to the bathroom, kind of lost it. Um, and that's cause I didn't, I, yeah, I, I didn't let myself feel those feelings and feel the grieving. And, you know, I'm a, I'm a big Anthony Bourdain person and I just recently watched his latest documentary. And even today, I mean, how, what year is it? It's tw- what year it was is it? 2017. It's this year is, it's 2021. Someone, we don't do math. Someone do that this math. What's the math? Pandemic. Is that four years? Uh, yeah, it's four years. Four years later, I can watch something about suicide and I mean, I will absolutely lose my shit. I mean, it's very much, I don't know if that'll ever not be a thing. Yeah. Um. And now I'm very, like if a friend says like, oh, I'm so stressed out about work. I want to, I want to die. Or I want to kill myself. I get a physical reaction every time. And I, I will say to friends like, hey, like, can you make a conscious effort to not make comments like that? Because I've dealt with suicide and you don't know who has. Right. And, you know, the thing is, there's also this shame associated with it. So like at work, am I like, I wasn't like Morgan. I didn't be like, oh, my grandfather just killed himself. It's like, <laughs> oh, well, my grandfather passed away. And and, and I don't share what happened yeah. because you feel that you're going to be judged. Like, what is wrong with her family? Like, oh, my God, that's so terrible. Then you're victimized. It's just like one of those things that makes people super uncomfortable to hear or understand. And then you have to go into the addiction conversation, mm-hmm. which, again, that's why we're here. That's why it we're should here. be talked about more. Yeah, I mean, exactly. And and. I always, you know, September is Suicide Awareness Month, and we're like barely into October right now. And every month I always feel weird because you see all these posts that are like, check on your strong friends and da 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 da. And I don't know, I always feel conflicting feelings because I'm like, yes, check on your strong friends, but also like, what if you were estranged from your family member? 
who died by suicide. Like there's a lot of emotions that come into that. And what if you're estranged because that family member may have been toxic because maybe they were an addict and you had to have boundaries. Mm -hmm. And so then, then they die by suicide. And then all of a sudden you think like, were my boundaries, did they play into like their suicide? I mean, it's just, it's, it's a very complex situation. There's no like, like, especially with suicide, um, nothing in life is black and white, but this topic, especially like it's very complex. And so you can't just like minimize it to like little statements of like, it's suicide awareness month, check on your strong friends. And the reality is like, especially in our case, like a lot of times suicide is not planned. A lot no. of times it is a spur of the not. moment. There's substances involved. Like it is not something that was planned out. And so how do you stop something that wasn't even planned? Right. So again, mental health check. Take care of your mental health. Yeah. If you have the privilege to have a therapist, have a therapist. If not, hey, email us, call us. We'll talk to you. Like, yeah. you know, find someone that you can confide in because you can't just bottle this stuff up. You know, and and this wasn't the first time in our family, you know, history that we've dealt with suicide. Like my mother was huge on trying to kill herself as I was a child. Um, I remember and I have major issues with weapons and firearms because she's held a gun to her head when I was a child threatening to kill herself really to get attention. She slit her wrist so many times, countless times. I remember being a child and trying to hold the knife drawer closed, you know, so there's so many different scenarios and levels of suicide and like what people view it as and how people use it and how people talk to it. There is no stereotype. There is no, oh, the ones that don't talk about it, you know, do it. And the ones that do talk about it don't like, yeah, there really is no rule to it. Um, No, not at all. And I mean, something that I haven't ever really explored much, but I know is a thing and actually happened on my dad's side with my great grandmother is is elder suicide. I mean, and that's a whole nother topic that could like probably take a whole podcast in itself of like like euthanasia. How yeah, and how hard like end of life is and yeah. how, you know, people feel like, you know, I'm in pain or like I, I wanna go out on my own terms and like aging is really fucking hard and you add that to like having an addiction like and then being in pain it's like can you can you blame him at some point I don't know I don't know I mean yeah yeah, I mean you know dealing with loss it's 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 difficult you've got to deal with all the arrangements which like Morgan mentioned we've done a lot I could probably open a consulting firm to help people but it it's just a lot to go through no matter what the cause of death is um but when you're dealing with addiction and you're dealing with you know the type of trauma that mm-hmm. that our mothers bring on my mother specifically in this instance it's just a whole different level it's a whole different level there's the guilt there's all of these feelings you can't control um mm-hmm. and you shouldn't feel but you inherently feel them you feel guilty. You feel bad. You feel like, oh, was there something else I could do? And, you know, that's a that's a huge reason as to why we're building this community with you guys. Mm-hmm. Like Morgan and I have been through so much. It has to be for a reason. We want to have a bigger purpose. We want to help people. We want people to feel comfortable sharing what's going on in their lives. Mm-hmm. And, you know, know that it's okay. Know that not everyone's going to judge you because of it. Most of the time, the people who have gone through this type of thing 
they're strong ass people. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. you have been through so much and grown and figured out how to keep moving forward and not be a statistic and fall back into the cycle. Like, it, you don't take things for granted. No. Yeah. We don't have the answers for sure. We just know what we've been through. Uh, if y'all have been through similar things, we would love to hear your stories or your takes on this. Mm-hmm. Um, we know this is a really heavy topic. Mm-hmm. We promise that not all of our episodes will be this heavy. This was like a, a big one to start out on. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're by no means experts when it comes to no. this stuff. Uh, and if you're struggling with depression or suicide ideations or, or you know, you are a loved one. Yeah, I mean... We definitely would like to, you know, make sure that you know the resources you can get connected with. We can leave some information, you know, um, on social media, but, you know, reach out. Don't don't suffer alone. You know, like mm-hmm. we're still figuring things out. Like we're here talking about it, but we don't know why. We don't know how. We don't have the answers. No. We we're just... still figuring out life ourselves. Yeah, exactly. We do know you have to have a little bit of humor to get through a life of trauma. Exactly. You know? People are like, oh, so much drama with my family. I'm like, are you sure it's drama? Because I found out mine is actually trauma. And that's why I've been married three times. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so tell us your story. Like, we want to hear your stories with, like, with all of this stuff that we've mentioned. Like, are we alone in this? I highly doubt it. You're you're probably not alone in this if you've dealt with any of these things. Uh, and if you did, like, how did you deal with it? The good and the bad. We don't need to hear just your healthy coping mechanisms because we get it. Like, it's hard. This is not a self-help podcast. We're not here to tell you guys how no. to be better, or how to get better. Like, we're trying to get through it with you guys. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard, y'all. And I think that maybe there aren't right answers for everybody um but you have to do something to keep moving forward yeah so email us yeah hey thanks for tuning in yeah thanks for listening thanks for 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 going on this journey we we love you guys yeah we've talked our dogs to sleep so um we're gonna we're gonna (laughs) end it here on a, a positive note and you know value yourself respect yourself take care of your mental health man like don't be ashamed to talk about it Exactly. Exactly. All right. Okay. We'll talk to y'all later. Bye. Bye.